0: Welcome back to the Mothers with Fourth Degree Tears podcast, where you will hear firsthand stories from mothers who experienced fourth degree tears in childbirth and hear from the professionals who work with them. My name is Laura Fry, and I'm your host. I am the founder of the Fourth Degree Tear Support Group on Facebook and a patient advocate for women with severe tearing in childbirth. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Um, today, we have Jama in Arkansas, and she is going to be talking with us about her fourth-degree tear during her first birth. And so I'm really excited to have her on the podcast. So welcome, Jama.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. If you want to um, go ahead and tell us a bit about your story.
1: Okay, so I am going to be reading um, from my journal. So I wrote this all down. My journal is covered in, like, scribbles. A lot of things are marked out. Little teeny tiny handwriting that is, like, written in between the lines. So um, bear with me if I stumble along throughout the way. <laughs> um, but in 2015, I found out I was pregnant. I decided on a home birth. I was sick throughout the first half of the pregnancy and in a huge fog the second half. I didn't know much about birth, and I followed the mindset of, this is what my body is made to do. This is what women have been doing since humankind. Don't overthink it. Just do it. And while that is true, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do research or prep prior to giving birth. It's important to understand the process fully and to also be aware of the imperfect possibilities. For some women, my midwife was the perfect fit, but for me, I almost felt no connection to her. Her approach is very laid back, and for this time in my life, I needed someone I trusted to tell me what to do. I needed a strong mother figure midwife. One appointment, my midwife was unavailable, so I went to the backup midwife who would be attending my birth. I hit it off with her right away, and so did my husband. We left the appointment saying, wow, I wish she was the main midwife. Which brings me to my first lesson, and that is to listen to your heart and to act on it. And if you have the power of choice, take it. There's no shame or guilt that should come with making a decision that is right for you. I will touch base on why exactly that lesson was so monumental in just a second. On September 2nd, I gave birth to my son Israel, and it was a long, long birth, but it went well. I don't remember feeling very high stress and i even got to pull him out myself which is one of my proud moments and i'm lucky to say that the birth itself was not traumatic because for many especially for many with fourth degree tears it definitely is i laid on my bed while my midwife looked over me and if my memory serves me correctly she had a headlamp on which is funny because later on down the road when I entered a sleep-deprived psychosis, I actually hallucinated men in white full-body suits, the kind with gas masks, with headlamps on that were coming to take me from that very spot. Hmm. Anyways, I was diagnosed with a second-degree hair at the time. She was examining, examining me and contemplating whether I needed stitches or not. I asked her if I really needed the stitches, Um, or if I could heal on my own because I am terrified of needles and I will do anything to avoid them. And since all of this has happened, I'm actually not terrified of needles anymore at all. I have completely (laughs) gotten over that fear. So that's pretty great. Um, She said that she thought I would be fine without them. And I remember the backup midwife standing right behind her. Um, And she very obviously doubted that advice um yeah that was the midwife that that I felt that connection to and if I would have set my shame and my guilt aside from possibly hurting someone's feelings I might actually have a perineum right now Mm -hmm. um yeah because she she did not think that that was the right call the backup midwife that is, and that's who I felt like should have been there who should have been taking care of me. So the midwife left and we had a newborn baby and my husband and I wept for days from the beauty of it all. I felt great besides not sleeping And those first three months were a success. But once that fourth month hit, I began to really struggle physically, becoming incontinent with both gas and stool and constant yeast infections. Um, and maybe this had started from birth and I just don't remember because there's, there's a lot of things from the first year that I just don't remember. There's a lot of things that just sort of got blacked out. Yeah. Um, and then, and that instantly, all those physical problems like instantly followed with the mental um, struggles, which consisted of of course, sleep deprivation, which I already had. And then with all the um, anxiousness, and depression got worse. I had intrusive and suicidal thoughts, OCD and anxiety, of course. And um, all those things just sort of seemed to link together. And it was a very dark place to live in. Which brings me to my second lesson, and that is to let go of control and to ask for help. But being the stubborn person I am, I didn't, and things got really bad. I don't have much recollection, recollection, like I said, from the first year, except for not leaving my house, staying in bed for days straight, my son crying and being so mentally in a hole that physically my body couldn't get up to tend to him. Um, Incontinence, constant yeast infections, self-sabotaging by destroying hobbies I enjoyed before giving birth, like the time I cut my yoga mat into pieces Mm -hmm. with um, scissors and then shoved it in a trash bag along with a bunch of other things that I felt passionate towards before um, giving birth and, and then shoving it under my bed. I think I may have burned some things like maybe paintings or drawings or something. I don't know. But this was my way of of hurting myself because I hated what I had become. I hated myself. So Um, like when I had the hallucination of men in white suits coming to get me. I also um, would see footsteps walking back and forth through the bottom of the door when I was going to bed or when I would nurse my son at 3 a.m. I would have to curl my legs up under me in the rocking chair because I thought snakes might be slithering around the floor underneath me. Um, Before span of time, I would take my phone into my son's room with me um, for the nighttime feedings, and I would call my husband, who was in the room next to me. I would call him so that he could come to the room and help me walk back to our bed because I was so frozen with fear. This was not a safe or healthy environment for my son and I, and I thank God we got through it. So ask for help when you need it your partner friends family members take a deep breath and let go of the control for a second so that they can take care of your baby and you can take care of yourself even if it's like just for an hour just have to let go of that control it's a huge lesson for me I still have to work on that all the time even even though my kids are two and four now just just like if I'm getting stressed out, it's like how are you feeling right now? Do you do you need some time to yourself and then and then trusting because my husband is there for me, he's supportive, he wants to be there. I just have to hand over the control. Um so, anyways, I let's see. I started getting out and about a little bit more. Um probably about a year after I gave birth. And this is when the, um, the bowel and the gas incontinence became like, it became a problem. And every time we would go to the store or to mom's group, I would be driving into town because we live in the country, you have to drive 30 minutes into town. And not thinking I was going to make it to the bathroom and squirming and sweating in my driver's seat and then stopping in the parking lot. And trying to breathe through the feeling and relax through the feeling of, like, going to, you know, have an accident in your pants. But the minute I would move to get out of my seat, I would just totally lose my bowels. And I would either have to drive straight back home or uncomfortably creep to the nearest bathroom, hope I didn't go through my underwear, throw my underwear away, clean up the best I could, and just move on. I started wearing the pens and soon after I actually bought a minivan. So I could go to the back of the minivan and have enough room to take care of my business because you can bet I was not going to make it to the bathroom in time. And by the way, I am not the only one who has gone through this because I know there are other women on the support group
0: Mm -hmm. um,
1: that go through this too. They, you know, use their car as their bathroom because you're not going to make it in time. Um, and also gas incontinence is no joke. I learned to just start coughing when I felt like I was going to fart to cover mm-hmm. it up. And then um I learned to <laughs> I learned to manually squeeze my butt cheeks together. Mm-hmm. Except for then the fart would just roll forward and this is also something In the support group, we call it forward-rolling farts. (laughs) And I know I'm not the only one.
0: Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: And then you would stand up, and the gas would be trapped in your vagina, and it would come out making a popping noise. Thank God that doesn't happen anymore. Um, But I also had to cover that up with coughing. Uh, Later, I realized that um, charcoal underwear... I found charcoal underwear and that is if you're listening and, and you are having this problem, charcoal underwear Hmm. is your friend. It's, it's amazing. I
0: don't think I've ever heard of those.
1: Oh my gosh. You can find it on Amazon. It's, it's (laughs) just regular underwear. It's it's not ugly. It's cute, (laughs) um, but it's lined with charcoal. So if you do have gas, nobody can smell it. It it doesn't smell at all. It's amazing. Hmm. And that, That was a huge lifesaver. Uh, Yeah, thinking back on all of it, that um, is actually sort of comical. And I found that humor helps me find some lightness in all of it. So now I was probably a few months pregnant with my second. uh, Still totally unaware of my fourth, fourth degree tear and torn sphincter muscle. Um, and when I became pregnant, I also came out of the darkness completely, completely clear-headed, and struggling with incontinence. I also began to recognize that maybe something was wrong. So I called my midwife because I didn't know who what, who else to call, what else to do. And might I add that a local nurse looked me over at some point during the first year postpartum because I was having so many yeast infections. Um, And she didn't say anything about my anatomy. So she didn't notice it either. Um, And the midwife said that I should go gluten-free. Yes, (laughs) gluten-free. So I took the extreme and I went raw vegan. Vegetables and fruit, which made my situation so much worse. I called her back a couple more times, just reaching out for help. So she suggested that I go to a gynecologist. So I did. And the gyno probably spent a total of three minutes with me. I told her my symptoms. I put my feet up in the stirrups. With all the bright lights, she looked me over, tested my pelvic floor, said everything was good, and suggested I see a therapist. And if that didn't work, she would prescribe me antidepressants. So I went to the therapist, um, and I remember her saying, well, you seem to be doing great. Maybe it's physical. Shout out to that lady. I love her so much. I still see her every once in a while when I I just need an extra um, boost if I'm feeling like I'm getting low again. She's really great. She's helped me so much. So I actually went home that day. And for the first time in 18 months, I checked myself with a handheld mirror. And much to my surprise, something was not right. And guess what? I Googled it. And the very first thing that popped up was my exact problem. It was an ar- it's article from an anti-home birthing woman about fourth degree tears through the perineum and sphincter muscles that go unrecognized. And I emailed this to my midwife and told her I thought I figured it out. And her response was that the lady was anti-home birth and sort of dismissed the conversation but said, if I really thought that it was a problem to go see so-and-so, some nurse, um, in town. So I did. I told her what had been going on and she was listening fully. The most present person I had been in contact with throughout the entire process. And I began to weep instantly because she could even look at me before she could even look at me in the stirrups because it was in that moment that I realized how dismissed I had been all along. She lent me a box of tissues, checked me out in the stirrups and was in shock because, yes, I had an undiagnosed fourth-degree tear. She was so apologetic for everyone who had reached I had reached out to before her and for what I had gone through. And I left her office not feeling sad but validated and actually powerful because, for the first time, it felt like somebody actually cared about me enough to listen. Um, the whole experience before her was extremely belittling, but I give myself a pat on the back because even though it felt like I was trudging through mud, I kept pushing through until I found an answer. This brings me to my third lesson, which is listen to your body, especially throughout pregnancy, birth, and postpartum because mistakes are made everywhere. And unfortunately women aren't taken care of like they should be, um, I wish I didn't have to say to look out for yourself in the very time of your life when you've just had a baby and your whole life has been flipped upside down, but you do. You have to look out for yourself. So I found an OBGYN that I loved for my second birth, um, and we decided on a vaginal birth. It went amazingly, and I was left with a second-degree tear away from the existing damage, I got stitches and everything healed greatly, so uh, probably a few months after I had my second my daughter, um, we waited for everything to heal and to sort of go back to the way that it was, and I went to see a colorectal surgeon and he told me that um, having sphincterplasty and a remind me of the word perineum what is the word for a perineum repair? Do you know?
0: Um, Is it just like a perineoplasty maybe also?
1: I, something like that. Yeah. So he, rem- you know, he, those were the two things that I would need to have done. Um, And he, he basically said that um, before we would try any of that, because it is extremely invasive. Um, I had, I had, had healed for so long that the tissue it would be hard to go through would be hard to work with um the recovery is really difficult and within 10 10 years it dissolves and you're back to normal or you're back to not back to (laughs) normal you're back to the way that you were yeah um and so he recommend i start with physical therapy so i began physical therapy uh, which can feel very invasive But if you can get past it, it is so worth it. Um, So we built up my muscles. And I switched to a low fiber and low sugar for yeast reasons. And um, when I feel the need to go, I go. I still have accidents, especially the week that I'm on my period. And yeast infections are still a fight. Um, I get fissures. I think it's called, Mm -hmm. which sort of looks like a um, paper cut right on the outside of my vagina. Um, And we found that I was getting those all the time. Uh, We found that estrogen cream really, really helped. So, So estrogen cream helped the fissures and also the yeast infections. I still struggle with depression and it's almost like because I was introduced to that feeling, I sort of I get back into it more easily. Um, yes, but I started searching through the support group the other day for, and I, I found another woman uh, with a similar experience. And she had since had a sphincterplasty and the perineumplasty. As we're going to call it <laughs> the perineum repair yeah. and she was super, super happy with the results and so that sort of um, opened up another gate for me that i I think I'm going to start searching for another doctor um, to see to see what they say, but I'm pretty lucky for how things have been going for me it's just it's just it seems that it's just one week I struggle here and there. There's one week out of each month that is really, really hard. And it does. It does affect me mentally as well. And so I always know that there's one week out of each month that is it's going to be a huge struggle, not even one week, I would say more like two. Um, But learning every day, and just keep on moving. But I felt like sharing my story to help sort of pave the way for women to stand up and speak for themselves. And as hard as it's been, and it is, and it probably always will be, the amount of growth I've experienced is something that I'm proud of and grateful for. And I also want to say thank you to you
0: um,
1: for starting the support group, because I I don't think I would be where I am right now if it were not for that support group. Mm-hmm. The minute I found that was life changing for me mm-hmm. to feel, I, I felt so alone before I found that. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was instant. I felt I had a group of people who are experiencing the same exact symptoms as I am in it's it's just it has changed so much for me, and I know for other women as well. So thank you for starting all of this. It's really been uh, life changing.
0: Yeah, you're very welcome. <laughs> how uh, how far postpartum were you whenever you found the group? Do you, if you oh, approximately, I
1: think I, I think I found it at eighteen months. Like it was right. Like, cause it was like at 18 months was when like everything came crashing in, like Mm. from 18 months was like the therapist telling me it was physical, me going home and finding it, Googling it, Mm. being in touch with my midwife, her sending me to the nurse and the nurse validating it all. And then I went home, started doing more research. And I think that's when I found you. It was Mm. all in that 18 months. Yeah. Yeah, that that 18-month period was a huge turnaround. I mean, it was scary that I, I, it was sad that I found out what, you know, it was sad because I knew what happened, but it was so validating.
0: Yeah. Everyone had just been telling you it was in your head, basically.
1: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Hmm. (laughs) How do you feel after saying all that? yeah
1: I feel good yeah um i I don't know I just yeah I feel like like it was a little bit more um you know when i I told my story the first time, and if you want to keep this in, I did tell this story once <laughs> um without without my journal, without what I had written down because and and I just it was on a whim I had the days wrong
0: um,
1: <laughs> I was a little off guard and I I got off the interview and I felt um I didn't feel great um walking away from it and I and I realized I hadn't thought about the story in a long time and I think I had a lot of my um that my timeline was like a little um it was very blurred to me mm-hmm. and it it it's good for me. It, it's almost good for me that I had to do that first because it really showed me I need to sit down and write this and sitting down and, and writing it all out because I haven't done that yet. I've tried. Um, mm-hmm. but sitting down and actually writing it out, I think is, is healing mm-hmm. in itself for me. Yeah, And also writing it in a way where it's not all negative.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I sort of felt... Um, like when I did the interview on Monday, I I sort of felt negative when I was walking away. Like I was like, well, you know, I had learned so much. I I have learned so much throughout this this process, and 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 wanting to feeling the urge to, to want to share what I had learned, um, more than more than just telling my story and and feeling feeling negative and sad about it.
0: Yeah. You wanted to highlight points that could help other people also. Yeah. Kind of help them learn from your, from your experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, well, I think you did a very good job. Okay. As good. I was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, as I was listening, <laughs> writing is not my strong suit. So I'm very, impressed when other people do it well (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: I I love writing but it it's hard for me to sit down and get going once I get going it's it's okay but I that's my that's the best way for me to get something out like this to write it down yeah otherwise (laughs) I just stumble over my words
0: (laughs) yeah well i knew i should have probably said on monday that we shouldn't have done it because yeah just so you i yeah i i
1: was uh, i was so close to being like no sorry but i was like you know what being like the i am not superstitious but I, i am a little like kooky spiritual so i was like you know what. It's eleven eleven. It's a very supernatural day. <laughs> this is a good day to just go mm, with it. Yeah, just go with it. Just see what happens. And it didn't work.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: um,
0: well, so. maybe it was. I'm sure that all but of it worked good. out for a reason. That yeah,
1: there there was a reason that yeah. I I needed to. It's a lesson. The whole every day. process. Yeah, I just feel like I am in this period of my life where it is like it's sort of hard. Every day is hard because I, there are so many lessons that I am like, I am aware of and I can see that are happening. And I'm like, I can see myself um, um, sort of doing them. Like the things that I maybe like shouldn't Mm. be doing. And then there's always an instant lesson where I'm like, oh,
0: okay,
1: (laughs) there's the lesson. And and so it's like-
0: It's exhausting. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's exhausting. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's exhausting. Yeah. And then sometimes, and sometimes I get down on myself because it's like, ah, you. It's this is constant. Mm-hmm. Why can't you just get it already? But it's actually really, really good that I am like seeing all of this. Yeah. From a from a, a perspective that's like outside of just like in, it's outside of myself. Yeah. I can see it happening, so it's good that I you know, I'm aware of it, but it, it is exhausting. That is a great word for
0: it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm exhausted with you, so <laughs> that's why I <it> was familiar. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, Jama. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for telling your story and sharing from your personal very personal journal (laughs) um yeah it was just really good to talk with you so thank you
1: and thank you laura for providing a platform for me to share on Um, i really appreciate it so much
0: yeah you're very welcome (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening to this episode of mothers with fourth degree tears podcast if you have any comments or questions or if you would be interested in being a guest on our show, please email me at mothers with fourth degree tears at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and hope to talk to you again soon.